the the Gemara in Sanhedrin uh, darshans that, uh, that this is that this is a night of crying. Why is it a night of crying? That it's a uh, because of that night, that night that, uh, that we cried because of the report of the Maraglim, of the spies that they told us the negative report about the land. So Hashem swore, He said, that uh, I swear that this night that you cried, a crying for nothing, so in the future you'll, you'll be crying over... Uh, the destruction of the base of Migdish, the exile, you'll, and you, 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 all the suffering, you'll have what to cry about. Now, at first glance, it sounds just kind of like a little bit uh, vengeful, almost like you cry for nothing, I'll, gi- I'll give you what to cry about, you <laughs> punk! <laughs> like, uh, but seemingly, that's, uh, that's not uh, the way that Kodesh Borhu interacts with us, that... Uh, uh, the the um, the punishment, so to speak, that Hashem does are all forms of rectification, of repair, of, uh, to help us to help us fix it. So, what does this? So, uh, what was the breakage that was caused by the crying over over the land of Israel, crying for naught, over nothing? Hashem is giving us. A matana tova, good land, a, a good gift, and we cried over it. So now we have to cry over it every year on the ninth of Av. Uh, the different tragedies that befell the Jewish people, which hopefully we'll talk about later in today's uh, shir. Um, in what way does this repair it? So, so we spoke about last time the concept of crying a little bit. Um, What's crying? So crying is this seemingly this very strange phenomenon where all this water comes out of your eyes. Water coming out of your eyes, like why? So, okay, so you know, it makes sense to have some water come out of the eyes as a windshield wiper fluid, right? That that makes sense. You get like some bugs stuck on there or some dirt and you rinse it a little bit from the tear ducts, right? And bat it away, and uh, that's it. You, you get a nice clean lens to be able to see, right? Beautiful windshield wiper that we have in built. Now, what in the world does that have to do with being unhappy about something? Maybe you should start salivating, like you're very, very sad about something, you just start salivating, <laughs> right? Or even, you know, having a runny nose, right? Like, you don't have a runny nose. When people cry, they do sometimes have a runny nose, but it's not actually a runny nose. Anybody know why a person's crying, they need a tissue to blow their nose? It's actually not a runny nose. Exactly, it's the tears. See, where, where do tears come from? Where do they go? So tears, they come from, the, from your tear ducts that are in the outer corners of your eyes, right? And then they wash... And they re- and they wash down across the eye, and then and then they go into. I don't, you can even see if you pull out the corner of your eye a little bit, you can see there's there's a uh, little hole that they drain into and down into your nose. Okay, which is why no, they go down into the nose, right? That they gotta leave from somewhere the tears, right? Which is why if a person gets a really bad 
nasal congestion, then often that's going to be followed by conjunctivitis, red eye, right? And pus in the eyes. Why? Because it's got nowhere to drain. Okay, a little bit of a uh, medical lesson. He, he told Joe that he missed, that he missed, uh, missed anything. Okay, uh, and towel, and towel. This was for towel. Shout out for towel. Okay. <laughs> Um, Tal just started medical school. You know Tal? No? Nice guy. Okay. So, um, okay. So the point is, why do we cry? Why do we cry tears when we're sad? Why doesn't our nose run? Why doesn't? Why don't we salivate? <laughs> Start flapping ears or something? What? What is about crying that has to do with being very sad about something? Okay. So Rav Tzadok says that uh, if you notice in Chumash a number of times Yosef, Yosef Tzadok cries and every time there's crying sometimes in fact there's good crying also when you cry you're so overjoyed about something you also cry right why what? that's really strange like, what is the connection to that right if it's if it is a sad response why in the world would that be shared by the happy response so Rav Tzadok explains that what the tears do is they basically they 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 blind you. they they wash over your eyes your eyes are just covered in in water to the point that you can't see they really block out a person from the world also really bad crying makes it that you can't even talk right so it completely cuts a person off from the, from from the outside world specifically with the eyes which is in other words, similar to what the Ramban that we said last week, the Ramban that says that by Avelus people cry because they say that I cannot accept this as being the reality. That's how the Maral explains it as well. Okay? That crying is a statement of I cannot and I do not accept this that I see in front of me as reality. Seeing is believing. Right? Seeing is the most concrete thing that there is. You see something, you're sure that it's happening. Hearing, uh, auditory hallucinations are not so common. By the way, if you get in the, you're gonna be in the psych field, right? So, so if people come to you and say, "I'm having hallucinations." What's the first thing you ask them? Are they auditory or are they visual? Okay, if they tell you they're visual hallucination, they're lying, or they're taking uh, hallucinogenics. It's almost never happens visual hallucinations, right? It's almost always auditory. Auditory very easy, happens all the time. Oh, I thought I heard that. Well, you actually didn't think you heard that. You didn't hear it, but you thought you heard it. Hmm. It happens all the time. And okay? it, there were a lot of times where it wasn't a visual hallucination. They didn't use a visual hallucination, but it was an auditory hallucination telling them that they had seen something. Oh, yeah? Okay, that's that there was something in the room, they were like, I, I must I, I probably thought, I, I, I probably saw it, but actually I didn't see it. Okay. I hear. But that's one way they can sniff out fakers, is that people are claiming to have visual hallucinations, that's usually a fake. Okay, uh, Geffen is in psych, in case anybody doesn't know. So, um, okay. So, uh, so the point is, so seeing is believing. You see something, it's more or less a guarantee. So, if I can't accept this reality, I don't see it. Right? I can hear it, that's, that's hearing I can dismiss. Yeah? But seeing, if I'm seeing it, it's, it's real. Okay, and like the uh, and like the Gemara says, that 
that the reason why Megillus Eicha is organized alphabetically. It goes right uh, every pasuk from Aleph to Tav, but you notice that in the second, third, and fifth prokim, I believe. Double check. But in the first parak, it's alphabetical. The other ones that are alphabetical, there's a switch. The ayin and the pei are out of order. Alphabetically, it's it's it's, it's a broken alphabet. The ayin and the pei are out of order. So Gabor asks, why is the ayin and the pei out of order? Shehigdimu pe laayin. Because just like the maraglim, the spies, they should it should go ayin and then pei in the alphabet. First the letter ayin and then the letter pei. The letter ayin also sounds like an eye. Very good. And the letter pei sounds like the Mouth. Very good, Jeremy. Okay. Right? So, usually, it should, the way that we, uh, the, the way that we deal with things, it should be first the eye and then the mouth. Explain what that means. But instead, with the Maraglim, they first said and then they saw. In other words, they, they already made up their mind before even seeing. They already, they already knew what they are going to see. Like they already said, so to speak, their report before they even saw anything. Okay, but the point is that the that that's a breakage in the in the eyes in the seeing. Okay, so the seeing back to the crying. You cry. You 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 say you cut yourself off from the reality. You say I can't accept this as my reality. Okay, and so says the morale in the Sefer Nas of Yisrael. Says that's what happened when the Jewish people cried. Over Eretz Yisrael, what are we saying? Yes, with the report of the Moragim, the Moragim says it's a terrible land, it devours its inhabitants, and we're going to get... That it's a terrible land, they don't believe that it's terrible. No, that would have been good. good. They say, I can't accept that this is my land, I don't want this land, this is not mine. That's the Canaanite land, this is somebody else's land, I want to go back to Egypt. No, but they did say we want to go back to you. Right? So, so therefore, therefore, by crying over Eretz Yisrael, what they did is they cut themselves off from it. Oh wow! Until then, it, it was it was such it was uh, it, it was it was a unification, right? It's such a unification between the Jewish people. And, and the Eretz Yisrael, the Eretz Yisrael that were promised to Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, they were taken out of Mitzrayim in order to be brought to the Eretz Zavas Chalavodvash, land flowing with milk and honey, right? So therefore, that was such a connection that would have never been broken. But now that they cried over this, over Eretz Yisrael, now that they cried over that connection, they severed the connection to Eretz Yisrael. I got a question. If if there's supposed to be the cry of happiness, does that like relate to the concept of this being oh, a happy holiday good, later? Good. Uh, well, we can think about it. But I didn't address first two points. First, so why do people cry over very happy things? In other, what do they often say when they're crying over something very happy? Can't believe it. That's right. Very good. I can't believe it. Right? I can't believe it. I can't believe it. 
That's why they're crying, because they can't believe it. They literally cannot accept this as reality. It's like too much. Yeah? Um, the other question, I don't know, I have to give it some more thought. Okay, so, uh, so by the by the Jewish people crying over Eretz Yisrael, we severed our connection to it. Now, uh, and if if we would have had a full intact connection, we could have never been exiled from Eretz Yisrael. Would have never been exiled, and therefore all these tragedies that befell us would never have befallen us. So first of all, that explains why we're going to be crying in the future. Because now, as a result of this crying, now all these tragedies are going to happen. First, second of all, the crying over the tragedies. What does that do? When we cry over the Churban Beis Hamikdash, when we cry over the exile of the Jewish people, when we cry over the all the tragedy that comes with that, what are we saying? No. I'll give you a hint. It has nothing to do with the way that we defined crying earlier today. Exactly. This cannot be our reality. Right? So, the fact that the base of the is destroyed, nope, I can't accept that as a reality. This is not, that's not the real reality. The real reality is we have a base of English. In other words, we have to deny the new reality that we have. I mean, as a result of our crying, we were we created a new reality where we are people without a land now we have to cry over that reality and deny that and by doing that we undo that original crying right so we cried and now it goes back into the words again more we cried a crying of nothing mean we cried a crying over eretz israel over something good so now Hashem is going to have to give us what to cry about means this new reality you're going to have to cry about. And by doing that, you're going to undo that, that harm that you've done. You, we, in other words, we're reestablishing our connection to Eretz Yisrael. We're reestablishing our connection to a base of English, reestablishing our connection to Hashem, to the Torah, to the Luchos, everything else that, that has to do with the Beinah Mitzar, these three weeks with, with all the tragedies that befell the Jewish people. Okay? Uh, it's not an obligation for us to cry. It's, 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 we need to get to a state where we feel as if we'd want to cry in order to... So again, so the... So the okay, so I'll, read, so I'll read to you the, the, the language of the Gemara and Sanhedrin, yeah? Um, so the Pesach says, Bacha Tivke Balayla cry you shall cry in the night yeah. so so the more darshans belila al iske laila you cry over the events of the night shenemar vesisa kol haeda like the like the torah says that the the entire congregation raised up their voice vayitan kolam vayivku and the people cried on that night. I'm a rabbi, I'm a rabbi Yochanan, also Laila Tishabav Haya. That night was the night of Av. I'm a Lama Kodesh Borhu, this is Hashem speaking to the Jewish people, the Yisrael. Atem, Bechisim, Bechis Shalchinam, you cried a crying of 
uh, it was purposeless for the definition of chinam, purposeless I will establish for you a crying for generations. So it sounds like HaKolish Boruchu himself is telling us to cry. He's giving us reason to cry. He's telling us to cry. And so, so the Maral is explaining to us that the crying that we're going to be doing is actually undoing the crying that we did back then. So is it an obligation it's not an obligation because, like you said, you can't obligate a person to cry, right? It's, uh, but is that, what are we doing on, on Tishba? We're doing what's called Hilchus Avelus. We're, we're conducting ourselves as does a mourner who lost a loved one, right? Now, a mourner who lost a loved one, again, is it an obligation to cry? No. But is that the entire structure of Avelus that we do for that week, yeah, is in order to facilitate the mourning over the loss. So that is uh, definitely what the, you know, the direction that we want to that we want to be going. Yeah? Um, so that is that's the that's the job and. Uh, Hashem, we, we will uh, be Zoha uh, before we get into the discussion of, of the tragedies that befell the Jewish people. I just want to say that, you know, besides the learning of it, this uh, it's not something you can just turn on and turn off that quickly. It's something that really a person needs to be living with. Moshe Shapiro uh, that I was in this call, he used to remind his Talmudim periodically. He would say that you know, everyone should remember that really there's a fourth tefillah in a day. There's a fourth davening that we're supposed to do. It's it's not obligatory. It's a midas chasidus, but there is a fourth tefillah. Anybody know what that is? Is it the one you do at night when you wake up at night? That's right. I've done it one time. It's very hard. Right? It's very long. Tzikun Chatzos is a person supposed to wake up in the middle of the night and cry over the destruction of the base of Migdash. Now, one option is you do that because you know that that's the halacha. You set yourself an alarm and you wake up and you recite certain psalms and certain verses and, and maybe even you get emotional. The other option is that you wake up at night in a cold sweat crying. You know, a person who's really... Uh, I think uh, Bruce. I don't know if you ever knew anybody who was in a very, very difficult financial situation with this business, being sued and maybe on the verge of bankruptcy or whatever. That type of person, do they ever cr- wake up in the middle of the night just from the, from the, from the fear, the the, the pain, the, the the thing, right? The, the kinds of wake up in the middle of the night to cry with Chum based Amigdish is not a robotic act. Oh, okay, I know that that's what I need to do. It's it's really supposed to be an expression of the, of the of the of the misery that we have over the over the over the fact that the Jewish people are living in exile, over the fact that ninety percent of the Jewish people are not even keeping Torah and mitzvahs, over all the assimilation, all the all, all the tragedies, over the uh, fact that the base of Middish is destroyed for two thousand years already, right? I mean, it's 
Tikkun Chatzos is supposed to be an expression of that. It's, it's not supposed to be the way that we get to it, it's supposed to be an expression of it. But there's certainly, uh, every time we eat a bread meal, we're supposed to, we're supposed to recite Al Nahar's Bavel, a song of uh, remembering Imish Kachech Yerushalayim. Right, if if I forget Yerushalayim, Tishachimini, right, let my forget, right arm forget its dexterity, let my let my tongue cling to its palate, I shouldn't be able to speak. I should, right, meaning this is uh, these are things that person needs to try to live with. Um, then then the, the you know, so okay, so at least so we have right now we have uh, a few days ahead of us that. To prepare, right? So the point is, don't walk into Tishabov and expect uh, to all of a sudden feel the terrible loss. Of course, there's a tremendous, tremendous siyata dishmaya, segulas hayom. There's a special spiritual property to the day where we can tap into these things and 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 really yes, connect. But you still have to have some level of preparedness, some some level of of openness for it in advance. So, okay, so now it's just maybe we'll, uh, if there's any questions, we can take some questions, otherwise we'll talk about some of the tragedies that befell the Jewish people, what they, what they represent. Um, now that there is, uh, you know, a, a, Jew, a strong Jewish presence, let's just say, in the state of Israel, whatever you want to think about in terms of, you know, your opinions on the state, whatever, um, do we soften some of the sadness, or is this presence not at all counts towards some of the like redemptive properties here? Interesting. It's interesting what you're saying. Very good point. I'll say it like this: the the the, the morale again, and that's a Israel points out a interesting. He brings a Chazal. The Chazal say that we see an, a seemingly a contradiction between two prophecies. Okay. The prophecy, one prophet says, I see the coming of Mashiach, but not, not now, it's very far away. And the other prophet says, it's very nearby, it's very near. Okay? Who are these prophets, by the way? Anybody know? Who is the prophet says, I see the coming of Mashiach, but not now, it's very far away? It was Bilaam. Bilaam the prophet. Wow. Yeah? But it's in the Chumash, so it's, I mean, his prophecy is a true prophecy. We take it, wow. take it very seriously, right? Um, Moshe, on the other hand, says it's very near, right? So how can they both be right, right? What? How do you doubt Moshe? If, if it's one of the thirteen principles. You definitely don't doubt Moshe, but 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 part but part of Moshe's nevuah is nevuah of Bilam. It's 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 in the Chumash. So, uh, so the so the resolution is that. That fundamentally, the coming of Mashiach is a binary process. Either it does or it doesn't happen. Right? It's like a, you know, a couple trying to have a child, and either you either did get pregnant or you didn't. Like this, it doesn't go like, oh, but like, doesn't 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 help anybody. There's no partial. There's no like build up for it. So therefore, before a person has had a child, then therefore. On the one hand, you're at 0% success. That's what Bill is saying. It's very far away. We're at zero right now. No progress. Right? Right? On the other hand, you're one step away from, from being there, which is what Moshe stresses. Right? And they're both right. So the point is, do, are there certain hints, perhaps, signs that Hashem has sent us 
the, 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 there is a seemingly a softening of of uh, of the of, of some of the harshness and whatever. Perhaps, perhaps, maybe, maybe, maybe the maybe the tremendous hurbun you know, that people suffered and all those holy neshamas that went up. Maybe that softened things, and we were zolcha for some things. But lamaisa, if it stays this way, it's it, this is it, we're still in goals. Yeah. So if, uh, yes, right now we're zolcha. We can walk dal damas and eretz yisrael. That's a beautiful thing. Maybe we've discovered the Chilazon, the Tchelos, the beginning of the, has to do with the base of Migdish. Perhaps, perhaps there's some other, some other good things. But, talking about 90% of the Jewish people uh, don't know the difference between, between uh, you know, uh, pork and, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and matzah, you know, like, I mean, it's a, yeah, that's uh, so. We're definitely still in, in a state of of total hurban. So, so it may, maybe it's a simantov. It's a good sign for us. But but uh, if anything, to a certain extent, it should make our crying worse. Uh, when 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 we're in in Mitzrayim, we're crying to Hashem from from the slavery. We cry out. Okay, so we're crying. Moshe comes, and Moshe says, "That's it, guys. We're going out. We're gonna be free. We're gonna get to go and serve Hashem." It, uh, right, so they get very excited, and then what happened? You started crying. Well, then Paro says, "Oh, we'll harden the work on them, right?" And Moshe leaves, and actually, by us, it's just next Parsha he comes back already. But, but the, but, but the Chazal tell us that it was six months that he was gone, six months or a year. Okay, he was gone, and the whole time they're working harder than they were before. And they're crying so much more. Why? Because until then, they had a taste of hope. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. They knew nothing. It's like, okay, listen, maybe it's just, uh, we hope, we hope something, but we it's not. Not Moshe came. He said, "Pakad, pakadati. Redeemed, you'll be redeemed." It's the secret code word. The Yosef passed passed down to the to the children of uh, uh, the Yaakov passed down passed down to his children. Uh, that, uh, that this is going to be how they're going to be redeemed and everything. So now they're crying uh, ten times more bitterly, yearning for, uh, for the salvation. So if, if anything, that having regained access to Eretz Israel and some of the other signs, like I said, the Tchelus and the, you know, maybe, maybe some of the Torah coming back, uh, you know, regathering a little bit some of the manuscripts and things, uh, some people being closer with Chuva a little bit, some about Chuva movement. Uh, if anything, it should wake us up to the relation. Like, uh, how much more we had to cry so much bitterly, where we can see maybe potentially the coming of Mashiach, and yet we don't have it right now. It's all the more reason to cry a a, 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 a purposeful cry, not not a not a shalchinam. Uh, Purposeless crying, but a purposeful, a bechia shel tachlus, purposeful crying. Okay. You've been there to Israel. Yeah, twice now. You've been to the Temple Mount. Yeah. Also twice. Yeah. What did you feel like when you were up there? Well, not on the mount. Oh, to the Western Wall. To the Wall. Yeah, I've never been up. No, I never went up there. No. It's kind of sad that we have sovereignty and yet. Nobody can even walk up there without Muslims chasing you away, right? I mean, uh, right. right. I've seen the videos. Yeah, yeah. And it's... then you've got this egalitarian thing where they did a gay wedding, right? I mean, like, Oof. 
I'm just oh saying, like, like we're, we're there, we have sovereignty, and yet we're so far away in a way. Right? That makes sense. It's, it's, yeah. it's, I, I agree with you. It's like, like you taste it, it's, it's almost more painful. Right. Right. Very good. I found out that, that during the Six Day War, there's a picture. Uh, they actually, the soldiers put a flag on top of the Temple Mount. 30 minutes before the government heard about it. Oh, wow. And immediately told them, take it down, take it down, but there's a picture of the museum. Oh, wow. Think about it, like, our own government was like, no, 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 like, we're, we're going to invite all the Arabs back again, and we're going to make peace, and we're going to try to, like, so we, don't, we don't really want the Temple Mount, like, we don't want that, that's not... not well, but if you not. think about the beautiful Hashgach of it, it's much better than if they would have had the Temple Mount. You'd be you'd, you'd be having egalitarian weddings happening, uh, happening, happening inside the Kodesh well, 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 it's, it's the, <laughs> it's, it's the Chicken and egg was sort of an issue. If it, the question is, was it even our government to begin with? And then right. I guess then, okay, you know, maybe Could. it's a good, you know, maybe if they would have let it, they would never have gotten to the point of having the egalitarian. No, no, no. What do you mean? The government was a secular government. Agree, it was, it was, it was but Ben Gurion and all of this. Never a Jewish. Been like stern and and what's it called? Bacon, okay, it's a nice thing. He put on film once. I mean, it's it's not. It's, it's like still. Up, then I actually, I outright hate Jews. Sure, sure, like sure. Korean. Step up, but I'm saying it's not. Uh, it's not Mashiach. It's not Mashiach. We're not ready now. I don't think even. Yeah. But one okay. day, when we're ready, it will happen. One day, very soon, does Hashem the Karov. Okay. The question is whether our actions bring the Mashiach, or whether hopefully somebody could come. To be the Mashiach. They will also inspire us, right? We, we, I don't know which one comes first. So, so I'll tell you, so I'll tell you the, it'll be different for different people. It'll be a mix. The morale says, uh, says an incredible, incredible marshal for it, an analogy. The analogy exists in halacha. Chazal made an entire halachic principle to allude to this concept. And the principle, the principle is Eruv Tavshilim. Eruv Tavshilim. Well, it doesn't have to be an egg specifically, but uh, but yeah, well, it doesn't have to be not a three-day holiday, not an egg, but uh, it when when you have a Yom Tov that falls out before Shabbos, it could be a two-day holiday if it's the second day of Yom Tov of Shabbos, right, or near Israel. So, but the point is Yom Tov before Shabbos, yeah. So on Yom Tov. You're allowed to cook on Yom Tov, right? But you're only allowed to cook for Yom Tov, on Yom Tov, for Yom Tov, okay? Now, so, uh, again, Sugya Arucha in the second parak of Beitzah, Mesachas uh, Beitzah, but, uh, but the point is, the halacha is, that if you want to cook on Yom Tov for Shabbos, you have to make an Erev Tafshil, which means that you kind of unite the two days as it pertains to cooking, it's all <coughs> one common food, etc. And the way you do it is by you already have to start cooking for Shabbos before the Yom Tov. If you already start cooking for Shabbos before the Yom Tov, you may continue to cook for Shabbos on Yom Tov. But if you did not, be, that's the egg, that's your egg. Egg and matzah, I'm assuming, or, or uh, hal, right? Because uh, we pass in Luchumra, cooking and baking. One cooked item, one baked item, right? So, you, so that you should be able to cook and bake for Shabbos. Right? If you only made a, a cooked item, you might only be able to cook l'chumra and not bake. Okay, so we make one cooked, one baked. Okay, but um, so if you already started cooking, baking for Shab- for Shabbos before the Yom Tov came, you can continue doing so on Yom Tov. If you did not, then you may not. Okay, says the Maral, 
this speaks to the concept of where, exactly where we are right now. Where are we right now? You know where we are right now? We're right before the coming of Mashiach, right? Okay. Coming of Mashiach, the days of Mashiach is a Yom Tov. It's a holiday. It's a Yom Tov. And that precedes what? what? All of Abba, which comes, so first we have the coming of Mashiach, then we have all of Abba. Shabbos is main Olam Haba, that we know. Shabbos parallels Olam Haba. Okay? And Yom Tov, says the Maral, parallels the days of Mashiach. So the rule is, if you already started cooking for Shabbos, before the Yom Tov came, you may continue to cook on Yom Tov. But if you didn't start cooking beforehand, now Yom Tov came, sorry, it's too late, you can't cook for Shabbos anymore. It says, if a person already started cooking, you're growing, you're, you're, you're working, you're trying to take on as much as you can in your Avodos Hashem, that whatever you can, you're doing, when Mashiach comes, you'll be able to continue doing that. And you continue to receive reward, even though the days of Mashiach are called Yimim Shein Bayam Cheshik. Days that people don't yearn for. Why not? Because scissors may be so blatantly obvious that Hashem runs the world, so there's no reward. All reward is in the struggle, in the serving Hashem when you can't see, when you're seduced by the Yitzhahara, when you're tempted to go and do other things. And yet you choose to do the right thing, you get a reward for it. But Yimosa Mashiach, what reward is that? It's obvious. Right? It's obvious. So, but, if a person was already exerting, already trying, etc., the Rambam says on the contrary, the Rambam says, Yimosa Mashiach, exactly for this, to let the Jewish people have a situation where we can sit, we can learn, we can grow, we can daven, we can get, we can grow to tremendous spiritual heights. But again, but the reward of it is only going to be to the extent if you do whatever you started cooking already before, you can finish during the, during the days of Mashiach. Yeah? So the people that are already working to bring Mashiach, so then when Mashiach comes, will be able to keep on going. But the people that have to be aroused by the coming of Mashiach, not going to be much reward for them. Because, okay, so once Mashiach came, you, you decided to shape up and, 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 and it's too late. You, you, already, you already can't cook. Okay, so um, <clears throat> okay, it looks like I'm not going to get to the other thing. Uh, <laughs> so far, every year has been the same. Yeah, I think it's probably your fault. Okay. Uh, no, but it's great. Great discussions. Okay. So let's see, we have eight minutes. Um, so we'll talk about, talk about the five tragedy, tragedies that befell the Jewish people on Tisha B'Av. Um, so first of all, the, the Mishnah that, that tells us the five tragedies befell the Jewish people on the 9th of Av is really based on the Pasuk and Eicha. The Pasuk and Eicha says, Hisigua korod feha beina All of her pursuers um, reached her between the straits between, uh, in, in a narrow place that's how they usually translate it but it can mean between the two sufferings suffering of Shvasar Batamuz and Tisha B'Av right? and, and, and the Pazak says all of her pursuers reached her which means all the Midrash learns all the tragedies 
that befell the Jewish people happened between the 17th of Tammuz and the 9th of Av. The obvious question is, how can we say that? How can you possibly say that all the tragedies that befell the Jewish people occurred between the 17th of Tammuz and the 9th of Av? And more so, more than that, the Mishnah actually defines what they are. There are five that happened on 17th of Tammuz and five that happened on the 9th of Av. And that's it. Okay. So obviously there's been a lot more tragedies than that. And many of them happened in other parts of the year. Not during these three weeks. These three weeks are definitely have been have had the more than their fair share, but it's hap- plenty of tragedies have happened. The, uh, Baruch, when did the Spanish expulsion happen? That's the year. No, around this time. Oh, around. Yeah. Did it? Yeah. They signed the document on the 31st of March, and they gave them four months to decide whether they're going to convert. Spanish expulsion happened when? But which which August, month? August seventh. Okay. Columbus left on August second, and then Tishba was on August seventh. He couldn't get his men to, to the ship because right, there's the too many Jews on there. On the, yep. on, the, on the trying to get boats to Turkey and Israel and everything, he couldn't yep. get his men. Wow. There you are. Okay, so. So, so again, just to understand, so what does it mean that all the tragedies happened on these dates? It means that if you understand that there, that there are fundamental spiritual breakages that happen, right? And everything else is in one way or another included. For example, the Gemara says that after the destruction of the base of Migdash, so there was a, the, the neighbor of... I want to say it was Rabban, one of the great rabbis, I don't remember exactly who it was. He had a neighbor who was an old widow, that her son died from some sort of ailment. He died, whatever, he died for whatever reason. And she used to cry and cry and cry and cry all nonstop. And he would wake up in the middle of the night and he would hear her crying and he would cry and cry and cry over the destruction of the base of Migdash. What's the connection? What? She's crying over her son's loss. Why is he crying over the destruction of the base of Migdash? You could say he just reminded him, yeah? but no, it's, he understands that all the ailments, all the tragedies really stem from the fact that Hashem is not in our world. Hashem is a source of all goodness. To the extent that the goodness is removed, is pulled away, is concealed, is dark, then that's where all the, that's all, where all the tragedy, all the, all the suffering comes from there. So he understood that, that even the death of her son, is her, that's her particular misery. But really it stems from the destruction of the base of English, which is what he's crying about. Okay? So, so when, when, that's why many of the kindles that we read, the, 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 the tragedy, again, this is particularly bad period of time, these three weeks. But really, there are plenty of tragedies that happened not during this time. Uh, and, and so... so so what about them? Answer is they're all an expression of the, of, of the fact that Hashem has, so to speak, pulled, away, pulled back, has uh, concealed himself, the, the, and, and, and therefore the Jewish people are, are, are wandering, you know, the wandering Jew, we're, 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 we're uh, blown around by the wind like a leaf, you know, a dried up leaf, 
who have been blown around in the wind and stepped on and uh, trampled upon, and uh, all the all the tragedies. So these uh, these these uh, tragedies that happened um, specifically, it, it all comes from Tishuba. That's that's what we that's what we have to cry about. And if we cry about it, then the Bez Hashem will show Hashem that we do not accept Israel. We're not just happy to live here in America and uh, to be a, uh, a minority, you know, uh, with uh, anti-defamation league protecting us and, uh, right? Someone's yeah. not in a long time. Uh, what? <laughs> not in a long time. Yeah. Um, but uh, that, uh, that that we know that we where we belong and we know what we're here for, and that Bez Hashem will be zochah that our crying will be a purposeful crying, and uh, there'll be there'll be no more need to cry. You know, Mother Russia. Um, I, 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 I,